Welcome to the Man Up or Shut Up Show, where four men unite in search of the truth. Feelings will be hurt. Talk to your doctor to see if this information is right for you. Hello and welcome to Man Up or Shut Up. We are going to be doing a special episode today. Um, as always, we're very happy to have Peter, Dimitri, and Mr. Victor. Um, we are going to be doing a little bit of a special episode and we're going to try to do these every so often and I hope people join them and like them. Um, if, if enough people like uh, this type of show and this type of, uh, you know, basically format, we'll do it more often. Um, our, our eventual goal has always been to make this show better. Um, eventually, we would love to like, you know, when we talk about stuff and bring up some links, bring up some you know, things, overlays, whatever. We would love to do that. Unfortunately, it's all me that's doing all the editing. And uh, I do work a full-time job. And also there are family stuff that happens for me. So I don't necessarily have time to edit all of that. But we're always happy for uh, everyone who watches us and, and uh, you know, likes, subscribes, all of that. We appreciate it. Anyway, and with that, we're going to start our epi uh, special episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, before before we do it, I guess I should uh, bring it off to Dimitri, Peter, and Victor. Let them say hello, and then we're going to start. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> well, there we go. We, they both said hello. Uh, that simple, I guess. Uh, let me... Let me... All right, let me get this start. Stuff. Did you say? Did you want to say like what? What are we exactly doing exactly with this uh, episode? Oh. Like we're going to be watching the um, a documentary, or okay, hey, yeah. let it be a surprise. Yes, I'm they so will. They will. They will find out as soon as we all start. I'm messing, oh, messing, messing up your messing, oh. messing up your messing up your groove. I'm sorry. You're <laughs> gonna watch okay. us watch things. You Bye. sure are not. All right, there we go. So. We're going to be watching a show. I think you could see the name up there. But anyway, uh, we're going to do about 10 minutes and then we'll come back to you guys. Pause one second. Okay. The audio is not coming through. Oh, you got know. it, got it, got it. Okay, let me fix yep. that. I hate when it does that. Okay, shut uh, I think the audio is actually playing through your speaker, basically. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, it should be this. So, obviously... ...thy country, and better, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. Abraham obeyed the Lord, and came into the promised land of Canaan, where he lived along with his son Isaac, and his grandson Jacob, who was later renamed Israel. Israel and his twelve sons went down into Egypt because of a famine in the land of Canaan. And there they multiplied into a mighty nation. The Egyptians felt threatened by the powerful nation of Israel living among them. So they enslaved them and made their lives bitter with hard bondage. After 430 years in Egypt, they were led out of bondage by Moses then crossed the Red Sea and went into Arabia, where they received the law of God at Mount Sinai. The generation of Israelites that left Egypt with Moses were not allowed to enter the promised land because of their lack of faith in the Lord. They were forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until a new generation rose up that trusted the Lord 
and entered the promised land with Joshua. For about 400 years, the 12 tribes of Israel were ruled by the judges according to the law of Moses. When they desired to have a king like all the other nations, God appointed Saul to be their king, who reigned over them for 40 years, followed by King David, who reigned 40 years, and David's son Solomon, who reigned 40 years. During the reign of Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was at its most glorious, and the first temple was built. But because Solomon's heart turned away from the Lord in his old age, God told him that ten of the tribes would not be ruled by his son. After the death of Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was divided, and the northern ten tribes were ruled over by a series of wicked kings who were not descended from David and Solomon. The northern kingdom retained the name of Israel and eventually had Samaria as its capital city. The smaller southern kingdom became known as Judah, had Jerusalem as its capital, and was reigned over by the descendants of David. Starting in 2 Kings 16, the people of the southern kingdom became known as Jews after the name of the kingdom of Judah. Because of the wickedness of the northern kingdom of Israel, they were overthrown and taken captive by the Assyrians. The Israelites who remained became intermingled with the heathen nations who came in and occupied the land. These people would become known as the Samaritans, and the ten tribes of northern Israel would never be a nation again. The southern kingdom of Judah would eventually be taken captive into Babylon as a punishment for serving other gods, and the temple would be destroyed. But after 70 years, the Jews returned to Judah, rebuilt the temple at Jerusalem, and continued to be ruled by kings descended from David. At the time of Christ, the nation of Judah had become known as Judea and was under Roman rule. Jesus Christ and his disciples preached the gospel throughout Judea, seeking after the lost sheep of the house of Israel. After three and a half years of ministry, the Jews rejected Jesus as their Messiah and convinced the Roman governor to crucify him. Three days later, he rose again from the dead and showed himself alive to his disciples before ascending up to the right hand of the Father in heaven. Shortly before Jesus was crucified, he prophesied that as a punishment for rejecting him, Jerusalem would be burned, the temple would be destroyed, and the Jews would be led away captive into all nations. This prophecy was fulfilled in A.D. 70, when future Roman Emperor Titus conquered Jerusalem. For over 1,800 years, the Jews remained scattered throughout all nations. Then, in 1948, the impossible happened. The state of Israel was founded, and the Jews once again possessed the promised land. Many Christians have proclaimed this to be a miracle and a blessing from God. But was this really the blessing of the Lord? Or were darker forces at work? This film has the answer. Yeah, I think.
does a lot of documentaries with Stephen Anderson. We definitely hard to hear you. I don't know if you can hear anybody. So in order to understand the founding of the modern state of Israel, you have to understand the history of the Jews from AD 70 until that time. And you have to understand that their religion is no longer based on the Bible whatsoever. For example, ever since the temple was destroyed, they don't do any animal sacrifices. As far as the animal sacrifices are concerned, that's been discontinued. Finished. What developed in Judaism was the system of prayers. It sort of became a substitute. Well, I think that was the beginning of modernization. I really believe that. Once that temple was destroyed, Jews did not have a central location. They were dispersed. They literally changed the nature of Judaism. And that portable form of Judaism led a transformation from priestly Judaism to rabbinic Judaism. Judaism stopped being the religion of the Old Testament and began to be the religion of the rabbis and their traditions, or what they call the oral Torah. The Talmud is the holy book of the Jews. It was the oral sayings of the rabbis. It's known as the wisdom of the rabbis. The Talmud is a compilation of all the great discussions that took place from the second century BC mm -hmm. until the fifth century CE. It's a kind of encyclopedia right. of Jewish knowledge. The best way of calling it would be the Jewish Wikipedia of the ages. <laughs> yes, because many people participated in it. Right. It's not written by one person. Several hundred hundreds. scholars. Okay. Hundreds of scholars. Hundreds of authors. According to Judaism, the oral law, or what would later be known as the Talmud, was given to the 70 elders that came to the base of Mount Sinai but were not allowed to proceed any further. The Pharisees believed that these 70 elders received a much more extensive and profound revelation than Moses, which was not to be written down. It was only to be passed down orally. And these oral traditions took precedence over the written Torah, or what we know as Genesis through Deuteronomy. Evidence of this is found in the Talmud itself. Ereuben 21b, my son, be more careful in the observance of the words of the scribes than in the words of the Torah. That's what differentiates the Orthodox from the non-Orthodox. The non-Orthodox sees the Talmud as more man-made. More man-made and developing and so on and so forth. Whereas you believe the Talmud is inspired by God. Is inspired by God, yeah. Everything that has anything to do with scripture is considered the word of God by a large segment of the... Including the Talmud. Yes. He said you don't believe in the religion of Moses. You have for your religion, he told the Jews, you have for your religion the traditions of the elders. In Mark 7, 7, Jesus said of the Pharisees, Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And the Talmud is the doctrines of men. It's, it's not possible for an ordinary person that's not trained to, to just read the Talmud and understand the oral law. Right. It's very complex. You need a teacher. Has a typical rabbi read it cover to cover? 
I don't know. It depends what they studied. Have you read a government book? I, I wouldn't say I read all 36 volumes, oh, but okay. I've read several. Right, you've read a lot of it, obviously. Yes, sure. but um, I'm sure people that devote their energies to just study mm -hmm. have done that. Sure. The Jews have always known throughout history that if Christians knew what was in the Talmud, it would make Christians very angry. And so the Jews were able to conceal a lot of their most blasphemous statements about the Lord Jesus Christ because people didn't speak Hebrew. Here's what they say about Jesus in the Talmud. There's sections in there about Jesus. In fact, there's an entire book that's been written by the director of Judaic studies in Princeton University, Dr. Schaefer, a Jew. He's written a book, Jesus and the Talmud. And we're going to pause that right there. Um, so we literally just started this this uh, documentary, but it's um, you know, like I said, I'm I'm planning to get a, a few breaks, and I want I want our honest opinion as we go through it, right? Like um, I know the very first time I watched this, um, I I had a very hard time accepting it, and the, one of the reasons is is because I was taught as a as a, you know in, in the churches that I was I grew up in was you know the Jews were just very special. And Jews. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, this this documentary, more than anything else, kind of broke down a lot of this stuff. Where um, I think I think the the wise wise thing to say is everyone needs salvation. Um, but mm -hmm. that's that's my really quick opinion on this, uh, Peter. Yeah, I mean, I was always brought to like the idea of like Jews almost like didn't even need Jesus. Just the fact that you're a Jew, you're saved already, you know, and they literally put the Jews on this pedestal, you know, and like almost worship them. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, you just got to support the Jews no matter what. So I'm liking the documentary so far. I've actually seen it, but I'm watching it like first time again. It's awesome. I hadn't watched it in a while and so far so good. I like it. So do you want to? Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, this is actually how I actually got introduced to pastor anderson is through this documentary through peter basically peter he's actually he um found out about pastor anderson through alex jones basically when uh, pastor anderson had this whole border patrol thing going on where he got uh, beat up by the um the border patrol that yeah. that that were located deep in the united states not on the border but that's another story but um so and and pastor anderson asked peter if he could help him translate um some of the some of this documentary into uh in, into russian basically well did not exactly translate he already had somebody to translate it. he just wanted peter to help him do some of the voiceovers um wait and what peter did voiceovers yeah, Peter had Shukrat. Peter had Shukrat do the voiceover. Uh, Peter outsourced uh, it. Peter, Peter yeah, freaking outsourced dude. the work. Clever. Yeah, he, surprise, he, surprise. But hey, it was strategic <laughs> because all of a sudden it's actually my brother-in-law. He was the one that was actually speaking, and he was saying when he was saying these things, he's like, he's like, what the heck? He's like, what, what the heck? I, you know, he was just like <laughs> doing, it, doing it as a job, you know, because I asked him as a yeah. favor. But then he's realizing the things he's saying, and he's like what the heck bro he's like i feel like this is like some heresy stuff like i i don't know if i agree with everything i'm hearing this is pretty crazy stuff you know like yeah. first, he sees like you know liked it but at the same time he didn't know what to think about it because he kind of felt like dang like, the things i have to say it's kind of crazy you know mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <it started laughs> yeah. <coming. laughs> so good but yeah so um 
basically this is how I found out about it. And, and, and I was like, and I wanted to hear like, Hey, how does it sound like in Russian? I was asking Peter when the Russian version is going to come out. So in a pastor Anderson, he only did, I think like the first 15 minutes, first oh, 15. Bad. Yeah. He didn't, he never finished it. The entire documentary in Russian. It was like, I, I, I really wanted him to do it. Okay. Well, but we the, know who needs to do it. Then it's you, Dimitri. You're well, the we, one that's called, bro. You can we, say the stuff without without feeling guilty. Shukrat was like, eh. well, yeah, well, well, but but you know, he yeah, had the same names. He seemed he seemed he seemed like he was actually you know he had like, Russian people behind it who were helping him uh, translate it. But I guess maybe he decided to stop it. I don't know why, Wait, but you know, sure? he already basically sure? yeah. Sorry, I think What's he that? actually does. I think sorry, I think he actually does have a full version in Russian. I think he does. I think he just found had somebody else that basically stepped in and pretty much did the entire thing. Because I think he was doing basically at the beginning, he was just doing like every language. Yeah. Like the first 15 minutes just to get spark interest. And then I guess from there he'll see where his resources are the best. We'll, we'll have allocated. to check. We'll so check I think after I'm pretty this. sure I think there is actually a Russian version. Victor right. and complete thing. Sorry. But I, I'm not gonna lie, I've watched this documentary at least. 10 plus times i've watched it twice so i mean i freaking love this documentary this is like one of my favorite but i love what you said roman about how it's it is at first even for me okay i've always as a christian i've always been like when i was younger i was always like what the heck am i just like this redheaded stepchild and and i always i always felt like that i was like always kind of a little not mad at God, obviously, because that's foolish, but I was always always felt a little hurt inside, right? It's yeah. always like, what the heck? Am I not special too? You I want to be I mean? a chosen one. Yeah, You're exactly. like a dirty, dirty heathen, you know? And I'm telling you, when I heard this documentary, it blew my mind. It's like, I am. Well, th- this is skipping ahead, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, don't skip ahead. You're supposed yeah, to talk about what you're we're, just, we're just doing the 10 minutes, so we're, we're okay. trying to keep it. Okay, okay. So to focus, to focus on these 10 minutes, right? One of the things that I love that he did is he did talk to the four major sects of Judaism that currently yeah. exist, right? And he did yep. a very good job at approaching each of the rabbis and asking them the same questions, you know? Number one, do they believe in the inspiration of God in, in the scriptures, you know? And number two, what do they believe about them? Are they figurative? Are they literal? Uh, what do they believe about the Talmud? And, you know, I love how they approach it. I actually, um, I'm an acquaintance with uh, Paul Wittenberger, and this is one of his early-ish document. I think this is the first documentary he did with, uh, with uh, Pastor Anderson. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just love how they, they started working together and they, you know, they went on to do a lot of really good documentaries after this, but um, you know, there's not a whole lot to say about it. The only thing that the, my main critique of this documentary, if you watch it enough times, the freaking intro music, bro, it's too like spooky, Mister. <laughs> I get well, really. Yeah, you have to add yeah. a certain level of uh, uh, things. Anyway, so that's yes. that's our that's our first little impression. We're gonna go ahead and watch for another ten minutes. Okay. And we'll, yeah. we'll get back to you guys. So, if you want to know what Jesus has to do with the Talmud. Get his book, Jesus in the Talmud, by Dr. Schaefer. Peter Schaefer is head of the Judaic Studies at Princeton University. In his book, Jesus in the Talmud, he documents and analyzes every time Jesus is mentioned in the pages of the Talmud. Keep in mind that the Talmud 
was written hundreds of years after Christ lived. And so it has references about Jesus in it, and they are hateful, blasphemous references. According to the Talmud, Jesus was the product of adultery, the bastard son of Mary and a Roman soldier named Pantera. He spent his early life in Egypt, where he learned black magic, idolatry, and sorcery. Jesus was born to a whore. Mary was a whore. She had sexual relations with many men. The father was a Roman centurion. The Talmud further blasphemes the Lord Jesus by calling him a fool and comparing him with Old Testament villains such as Balaam, Ahithophel, Doeg, and Gehazi. Does the Talmud talk about the Jews killing Jesus? Or Vaguely, but Maimonides believes that the, the Jews killed him, that the Jews executed him because of certain of his doctrines and, and, and so forth. Do you believe that the Jews killed Jesus? Um, it's possible the Jews did kill Jesus. Right. So okay. if, let's say they did. All right? we, maybe he deserved to die. Mm -hmm. Maybe he was a troublemaker. Let's assume we did. Mm -hmm. So we killed somebody. The Talmud actually gloats about Jesus dying young. The passage reads, Hast thou heard how old Balaam was? He replied, Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. It follows that he was 33 or 34 years old. And you say, wait, that passage says Balaam, not Jesus. But look at the footnote at the bottom of the page. Balaam is frequently used in the Talmud as a type of Jesus. Not only that, but in the Jewish Encyclopedia, volume two, page 469, under Balaam it says, Balaam given to Jesus in Sanhedrin 106b and Gittin 57a. Peter Schaefer states in his book, Jesus in the Talmud, that there can be no doubt that the narrative of the execution in the Talmud refers to Jesus. In fact, the book states, there is no reason to feel ashamed because we rightfully executed a blasphemer and idolater. Jesus deserved death, and he got what he deserved. Elsewhere, the book states, he was a blasphemer and idolater, and although the Romans probably could not care less, we insisted that he get what he deserved. We even convinced the Roman governor, or more precisely, forced him to accept that this heretic and imposter needed to be executed, and we are proud of it. Schaefer said in an article that appeared in Publishers Weekly concerning his new book, I certainly don't want to harm Jewish-Christian dialogue, but dialogue requires honesty, and I'm trying to be honest. There are Masonic Jews today who want to take the Talmud and make it Christian. How can you take a, a damnable book and make it Christian? All of these lies about Jesus are right there. The church fathers blame the Jews for the death of Jesus, and that is Paul's doing. It was Paul's doing in the epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus. Now, what does that say? This has poisoned the mind of generations of Christians, unfortunately. Did you know that? So 1 Thessalonians this is 2, okay. To this day, 26% of all Americans believe that Jews were responsible 
in the death of Jesus. When Mel Gibson came out with his The Temptation of Christ, yeah. oh, he's an anti-Semite. What a horrible person. He says the Jews, you know, killed Jesus. Well, that's what the Bible says. The film, uh, the, the, the Passion of the Christ, when it was shown, it went from 26% to 36% because people are so gullible. It portrays the Jews as evil people. Oh, okay. Which is nonsense. The Jews call this the myth that the Jews killed Jesus. Let me explain something to you. The fact that the Jews killed Jesus is not a myth. It's Bible. Christians believed it, and they still do today. They still do today. It was ingrained in their mind. They blamed all the Jews, even though most of the Jews were not there. Look at Acts chapter 3, verse 13. It says, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. So here he's preaching to thousands of Jews. And he says, And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. Wait a minute, I thought it was just the rulers. No, he said, you did it, as also did your rulers. That means it wasn't just the rulers, it was the people also. Because if we read the scriptural account, the people are crying out, a mass throng of thousands and thousands of the Jews are crying out, crucify him. And he says, shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. I am free from the blood of this just person, said the Roman Pilate. His blood be on us and on our children. That's what they said. It states in there that Jesus corrupted Judaism. And as punishment for his crimes, he is now in hell, burning in fiery excrement. And he shall so be forever and ever. They hate Jesus Christ. They hate the name. So I think it's because they are children of the devil, not children of God, and therefore the devil, look at the hatred he has for Christ. So what do you think his children are going to have? The average Jew believes that the Old Testament is a wonderful book of myths mm -hmm. and stories that have good meaning. Yeah. But you can understand the Old Testament only by studying the Talmud and the Kabbalah. The Jews stopped believing in the Torah starting in Genesis chapter 1. I believe creation was a design that's unending. Mm -hmm. uh, evolution is part of the process. In the beginning to me, you know, there are people who talk about the Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. I have no quarrel with them. So you don't take the beginning of Genesis with the Garden of Eden and the serpent, you don't take that literally then? No, I, I, to me, those are parables. So when you look at the key teachings of the books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy, the Jews don't really believe any of these. Circumcision, I know, is a big part Ouch. of. <laughs> it's it's a big part of, of Judaism. I I think. Am I right? It is. If a, an adult comes to me for a conversion and is not circumcised, then it's a very simple matter. There's, you take the uh, pin and just prick the, um, so that a drop of blood comes out, mm. and that's enough. That's so the, it's more symbolic. Right. Just to represent the willingness to be able to be part of that covenant. So they don't remove the full foreskin? No. Okay, they just do just a more of a symbolic? Exactly. Well, in the Torah, you know, Abraham was 99 
when he was circumcised <laughs> and his son Ishmael was 13, right? But nowadays they don't. They don't. Now we as New Testament Christians don't practice circumcision. But the Jews, remember, are saying that they still follow that old Mosaic law. So if they were actually following it, they would have to actually remove the foreskin and circumcise that adult convert. That's what the Torah teaches. I've heard it said so many times that, oh, the Jews, they just believe the Old Testament. They, they, they believe everything we do just without Jesus. And that is a lie. They don't believe God. They don't believe Jesus Christ. They don't believe the Old Testament. They don't believe the New Testament. They don't believe any of it. And how is it determined which is good and which is bad? And that's called civilization. People get together and determine you shouldn't steal. So civilization says that's bad. Okay, that's how you measure good. If you come from a society where stealing is good, that's how that civilization determines good from bad. If you don't steal, you're bad. If you do steal, you're part of us. Is there an absolute right and wrong where just stealing's always wrong because God said so? There's no absolute in my opinion. It says in John 5, 46 and 47, for if ye had believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Jesus Christ is telling the Jews of his day that they did not believe Moses. Their whole claim was that they believe Moses and they don't believe him. But he explains here that if you don't believe in him, then you don't believe in Moses. So this is our second break. Like I said, we're planning to do around 40 minutes in total. So we're going to have another, um, another two breaks. Uh, Guys, let's keep it to about a minute and a half of response time because, you know, uh, otherwise our episodes will run way too long. Um, I will say this about th this. And um, when I watch this, I think, how can he have the patience to sit there, listen to what they say? <laughs> you know, because like I feel like I would have a very hard time while someone is criticizing my Lord and Savior you know um and or or he's blatantly lying about how you know how in the bible it actually talks about jews crucifying christ i mean they literally gave him up to uh, the pilot pilot yeah yeah and i, I just uh, the 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 control that stephen anderson has to just sit there and go yes yes <laughs> it's just just crazy anyway yeah. peter I know. I'm, I'm having a hard time sitting here. I'm like about to tear through the screen, like <laughs> start choking somebody. And I'm like, that's, that's actually what I was thinking as well. I was just saying how he's just sitting there like <laughs> in his face, like, you know, just really like, oh, like really, really asking him all these questions. But, you know, he's just trying to he's holding it in like <laughs> from exploding. Man, that's that's messed up. The things they're saying, oh, my goodness, it's uh, blood boiling. I think I think I saw his eye twitching a couple times. <laughs> I, well, he started laughing at the one, uh, the oldest rabbi. He was like, "Oh yeah, okay." <laughs> I saw yeah, there was yeah, like yeah. one point where he's like, "Oh okay, yeah, sure." Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think the most important thing to take away from this segment is that the Jews don't even believe the Torah. Yep, they yep. believe it's yep. all figurative. That's what's so insane. They don't even believe, Mo like like Moses is part of the Torah. There, I think he says later on, like 
he believes a lot of the miracles that Moses did were figurative or it's just an, an, an analogy or a parable and that no miracles actually even occurred. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's what's so mind blowing is as the film goes on, you realize that what we call Jews nowadays aren't Jews. That's yep. what's scary is it's like, okay, that's what, oh, then when I was watching this for the first time, I'll never, I was just like, oh, snap. This is changing my perspective. Yep. Kind of scary. It's one of those life-changing moments, you know what I mean? Because yeah. for the longest time, you know, you think, well, I guess I'm just a heathen. Not a heathen, but I'm a Gentile. Yeah, but, you, you almost yeah. feel like you're a second-class citizen. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and, these, and these are the rabbis that he's talking about. So these are the, these are the teachers of the Jews. They, they have the mountains of books behind them, you know, in their libraries. And they've been studying this since y- y- young age. Yeah. And um, yeah. And it's and you just see how secularized their understanding is like, like, yeah, I have no problem with the Big Bang, you know, Adam and Eve figuratively, you know. Uh, Noah, uh, you know, Noah, the flood, you know, that's all figurative. So they don't really even believe the Old Testament at all. Um, and it, it, it is just amazing. And I just remember when I just first watched this film, like, truthfully speaking, I always had that uh, question, like, you know, like, like, we, like you said, like Victor said, like, you're like the, this uh, redheaded stepchild or something like that. You know, this is exactly how I felt, you know, I'm like, you know, it's just kind of not fair, you know, that I'm, you know, I have this, you know, passion and love for Christ and for God, you know, and, um, but, you know, but just because somebody has been born physically into, you know, the Jewish family, um, they, they, God loves them the most. And this is what I've heard since, since young age, you know, growing up in churches and all this, that like, you know, they are God's favorite because they are physical descendants of, you know, Abraham and, uh, you know, and we are just, you know, we are just Gentiles, you know, we're, so we're just, we are this, just this uh, olive branch that's just been, you know, added to the tree and God's just like, hey, anytime you do something wrong, I'm going to cut you off because you're, you're not even natural here. So you just get, you just sit back, shut up, you know, because you're not the natural branch here, you know, and this is, and, but when I saw this documentary, I agreed with it the very first time because okay, it's so. So you're going a little ahead. Let's not, let's not, let's not. Um, Jeez, yeah. Roma, such a party pooper. Gosh, yeah. we were having such a good conversation. I know, you, I know, but here's what, how it works. We okay. have to have some kind of structure. Anyway, let's go back to the show. Uh, we will check back in with you guys in about 10 minutes. We practice differently. We believe differently. And maybe our approach is different, but the destination is the same. We're trying to reach God. I mean, that's the whole objective. So you believe that all religions are going to the same destination, just taking different routes? To exactly, get there. and different ways to get there and different understandings of how they get there. That, that doesn't make one better than the other. There is no one path to God. There is no one understanding of God. To understand God, we have to understand each other. We have to understand ourselves. There is no such thing as a salvation. Um, that transforms it. You do what is right, and you save yourself at every moment. God is not in heaven. If when someone starts telling me that his soul is in heaven, what do they know about the soul, the spiritual souls of people in heaven? 
This is for children. You have can, to tell Can we pause this. it here really quick just for a second? How come grandfather? Yeah. Dude, he's literally just said he doesn't even believe God is in heaven. Yeah. He says that he says God is not in heaven. That's what he said. And he says, and then he's gonna go on obviously to say, Oh, your grandfather, there's nothing. It's insane. It's like, oh my gosh, these people are basically atheists. At least this guy is. Sorry. That's, that's why I'm saying it's it's really yeah. hard. Like if I was there not to, but anyway, we're gonna yeah, go back continue, to continue, continue, continue. I didn't come home today. Oh, he's in heaven. What about hell? Is is hell something that, that is part of Judaism or no? Being like a place of fiery punishment. I have been in hell. Mm. What we call hell is the Valley of Hinnom. Tophet also, right? There is a place right outside of Jerusalem that is called the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom. Mm -hmm. It was a place where pagans used to offer human sacrifices. And by extrapolation somehow, they imagine that there was a place like that in the universe somewhere where wicked people would be going. So you, you don't believe that the Old Testament teaches any kind of a, a literal hell? No. Okay, all right. A lot of people will tell you the Bible says if you don't do something, you'll have a bad life or you'll go to the netherworld. Hell. Yeah, right. Well, we don't subscribe to hell anyway, <laughs> but, you know, that kind of, uh, my feeling is different. If the Jews don't believe in the creation story of Genesis 1, they don't believe the story of Adam and Eve literally, they don't believe in Noah, they don't believe in the Tower of Babel, they scoff at these stories, they don't believe in circumcising adults, they don't believe in the animal sacrifice, what part of the Torah do they believe in? This is supposedly their most exalted book. Yet when you look at all the particulars of what the Torah teaches, they don't believe any of it. Today you have a lot of evangelical Christians in America that are very pro-Israel. Very. Christians are just really zealous in their uh, support of, of Israel. Now, has it always been that way throughout history? Is oh, that God, a newer no. phenomenon? Yeah. Um, no, it, it hasn't been that way through history. Traditionally, uh, Christianity was essentially anti-Semitic. The phenomenon of the Christian Zionists is relatively recent. They maintain that the Jews are God's chosen people and will always be God's chosen people. They use the term the apple of God's eye. And, and that's a more recent phenomenon? Yeah, I'd say a few hundred years, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. That does not go all the way back. Right. Replacement theology mm -hmm. has played a very important role in Christianity. But what is replacement theology? Replacement theology is the root and branch of Christian anti-Semitism. It's like a virus in the church. Basically is saying that the church now has superseded Israel and this theology that discards the place of the Jewish people and replaces it with the church, the new and true spiritual Israel, is very dangerous because I believe it's the primary root of anti-Semitism. Many theologians all through the centuries have preached replacement theology. Can you name some that, that have preached that? I have here everything about uh, John Chrysostom and the, 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 he is the chief anti-Semite of the church. The synagogue is worse than a whorehouse. 
It is the den of scoundrels and the repair of wild beasts. The temple of demons devoted to idolatrous cults. The refuge of debauchees and the cavern of devils. It is a criminal assembly of Jews. A place of meeting for the assassins of Christ. A den of thieves. A dwelling of iniquity. The refuge of devils. A gulf and an abyss of perdition. I would say the same things about their souls. They have demonized the Jews. This is still present in the mind of many. Throughout history, Christians have not looked at the Jews as God's chosen people. They looked at them as a people that rejected Christ and were therefore rejected by God. For example, the last book written by Martin Luther before he died was called The Jews and Their Lies. And in this book, he gives all kinds of scriptural arguments for why the Jews are not God's chosen people. And he also exposes a lot of the blasphemous teachings of the Talmud. His very last sermon, he preached about the Jews. And he said, the Jews hate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And through their perfidious behavior, and he says that they, they create all kinds of stratagems and ruses to deceive us. And he got so angry at them, he actually said, we should go and burn all the copies of their Talmud. But he was infuriated about the Talmud. Of course, today, the Jews consider him a great anti-Semite. St. Augustine was no better. He was also anti-Semitic? That's right. Okay. He was very demeaning. All this mm. is pure hatred. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter whether you're listening to John Chrysostom, St. Augustine, Peter the Venerable, Martin Luther, John Calvin, you name the church father, you name the Protestant leader throughout history. They're all saying the same thing about the Jews, that they're the synagogue of Satan, that it's a false religion. This doctrine that the Jews are still God's chosen people is a new doctrine. You know, back before the late 1800s, everybody recognized what we're talking about now. Mm -hmm. But something began to change. First with Dr. Uh, you know, Cyrus Schofield. C.I. Schofield was a divorced man. He had trouble with alcohol. He was a lawyer turned preacher. He left his first wife, Leontine Sierre, in 1883. That's the year after he wrote his first book, Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. So in 1882, he writes his first book, Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. 1883, he leaves his first wife, marries another lady, and then becomes a pastor in Texas. Very famous, very popular. Schofield's dispensational premillennial Bible was edited with financial assistance from prominent businessmen, some of which had questionable religious ties. And he had Jewish retainers who made him a member of a club called the Lotus Club, mm -hmm. a, a sort of a secret society. And suddenly he had plenty of money. This corrupt lawyer who had abandoned his wife and was found guilty of numerous offenses as, as a corrupt attorney. But Schofield was given money and the Oxford group out of England published his Bible. Why would they take a crooked lawyer and make him the editor of a Bible? And then suddenly they had millions of dollars to promote it. With that amount of money, then the Bible took off. And it, it basically sealed the deal for the Jews. The Schofield Reference Bible is very pro-Israel, very Zionist. And this book, more than any other book, 
changed the thinking of an entire generation of young preacher boys. Another belief that Christians have today that is an incorrect belief that is not founded in Scripture is the belief that we should bless Israel. You know, they, they go back to the what they refer to as the Abrahamic covenant. They go back to Genesis chapter 12 and they say, oh, we got to bless Israel. If we want God's blessing, we have to bless them. Genesis 12 verses 1 through 3 is the key scripture where God calls and blesses Abraham. It reads, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, according to this scripture, God is making a covenant with Abraham, and he tells Abraham, I will bless thee. The word thee is singular. He's speaking to Abraham. Well, in Schofield's notes on Genesis 12, he applies this blessing unto the future nation of Israel. That is so that's our uh, third pause, and then we're going to have one more. Um, so we're getting a little bit deeper in, and now we're, we're talking about theology and, and some differences and uh, how, how we see things. I, like I said, the first time I saw this, I, I thought this was very interesting. I actually recommended it to some of my brothers and sisters because it was, um, it, it was eye-opening. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a different, uh, an eye-opening op experience. Let's go with that. And I mean, one of my brothers watched it. Uh, well, a, a few of my brothers watched it, but one of my brothers watched it and he didn't really necessarily agree with it to, to an extent. And, you know, and I, I told him, I'm like, well, you know, I rewatch well, it again. Bro, yeah. <laughs> yeah, re -watch, watch it again, again bro. Pay enough, cl close enough attention. What, so, what did he say he disagreed with in particular? Did he have any good counterpoints or no? He said, no. -uh. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that, that, was, that was his counterpoints. -uh. Um, <laughs> I, I don't remember. I mean, this was, this was probably about three years ago. I'd have to, or okay. maybe even more than that. I'd have to ask him. If, and that's even if he remembers. Um, yeah. and, and as of now, he might have rewatched it and might have changed his mind. So for all I know, um, but anyway, it's, it's, it's ramping up and it's, it's getting, uh, it's getting to the point where, um, you know, I'm, I definitely wanted more people to watch this anyway, Peter. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people just disagree because it's, uh, you know, because it's, they're just so ingrained in what they've been taught and they can't really explain why they disagree, but they just disagree because that's what, they've been told from their pastor or wherever they go, the big mega church, maybe that they go to bless Israel. <laughs> Victor says it the best. No, Victor Peter said, did good. That one. That was good. Israel <laughs> shall come again into her people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, we bless God's people, but you know, he said, but we curse the ones that are against them. Right. So well, God specifically, but but the question is, are Jews God's people? Well, yeah, and, and so so obviously we're not going to get there tonight. But um, and honestly, so there, there's a, a lot of stuff has come out in this past in, in the past ten minutes, and 
and one of the things that's very interesting to me and and it might i don't know obviously it's it's not it's not something that russians necessarily thought about you know but the schofield bible is huge in america you know what i mean like the schofield bibles yeah my entire life people talk about oh did you have a schofield reference bible you need a schofield reference bible and so <laughs> this part of the of the movie for me hit home because Schofield also played a big part in pushing um, the pre-tribulation rapture. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting how those two things went hand in hand. This this concept that you know that you know the Jews are God's chosen people still, right? You you know we're not, even though Christ died for us. According to yep. the, you know, according to these new Christians, you know, it's 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 the Jews that are God's people, not not the actual children of God. It's like, right, okay, right. this makes no sense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what's really interesting is how this really plays strongly into also, um, you know, the pre-tribulation rapture. Yep. So, yep. I like I like how the um, uh, you know, this this part they they show they should they do show that this is a relatively new teaching like in the past you know two three hundred years where the pro yep. uh zionist kind of like pro you know physical jew you know kind of worship you know and making them special this is a relatively new teaching and then throughout the entire history of christianity since the apostles they uh they were not they were not considered as god's people they were always considered as those who uh, did not, those who rejected Jesus Christ and those who killed Jesus Christ. That's what, who they were always uh, considered as. And I do like the saying that, um, you know, uh, a lie can go, you know, like halfway around the world before the truth has time to put its shoes on, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, and this kind of, you know, really is how, um, you know, what we see today that in the last, you know, two, 300 years, this, this uh, new teaching came about and it started going all the way around the world and basically infected uh, the teachings amongst most churches. And, uh, and that's how, you know, people bought into this teaching before they even had time to even, you know, really understand the basics of, you know, the gospel or the Bible and, you know, throughout like, and also, like Bible has really, really been accessible to God's people, well, Christians are all over the world in the past, you know, really even 100 years. I mean, like my parents, my grandparents, they still have Bibles where they had to hand copy the entire Bible. And I think right now we're living in a time where Bibles are really accessible. And now I think the knowledge is really skyrocketing, going through the roof overall in general of the knowledge of you know the bible in the past hundred years and i think that's gonna you know it it, at least it's gonna basically collapse eventually you know this whole teaching of this whole you know jews are the god's chosen people the you know the physical jews that's just my theory but right well and i i hope that is the case let's go back to the show uh to this documentary uh this is gonna be our last segment and then we'll finish off the show. That is not what the scripture teaches. And many evangelical Christians today do not get their doctrine on Israel from anything that's written in the New Testament. They're getting it from the notes of the Schofield Reference Bible. 
When you're reading these promises made to Abraham in the Old Testament, you have to realize what the Bible teaches in Galatians 3.16, when it says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Now, if we stop right there, you know, all the Christians of today or Zionists or whoever, they could say, see, it was to Abraham and his seed. But the verse goes on, it says, he saith not and to seeds, with an S at the end, making it plural. He says, he saith not and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. So according to the Bible, the promises made to Abraham were made unto Abraham and unto Christ. And the Bible says in verse 29, and if ye be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. According to the Bible, we as Christians, whether we be Jew or Gentile, are the heirs of the promises made to Abraham. Those today who are in the Middle East and the nation of Israel, they're not in Christ. 99% of them do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, they are not the seed of Abraham. Therefore, Genesis 12, one through three does not apply unto them. You know, people will say, well, we've got to support Israel if we want God's blessing on ourselves. If we want God's blessing on our church, if we want God's blessing on our nation, we must support a physical Israel. Well, if you just count back the last 66, 67 years of American history, do you find the blessing of God on our country? Did we have legalized abortion back in the 1940s? No, it's come since then. What was our debt in the 1940s versus today? What were we like then compared to what we are now? You can't convince me that the blessings of God have fallen on this country because of a quote-unquote promise to support a physical group of people somehow correlates to blessings from God. Not only that, but if you look at the history of the Jews over the last 2,000 years, have they been blessed by God? No, they've been persecuted and hated in every country that they've ever been in. This book right here has a list of all of the countries that the Jews have been thrown out of over the last 1,000 years. And when you look at this huge list, you have to ask yourself, why have they been so hated and persecuted everywhere that they've lived? And the answer is because of their blasphemy toward Christianity and because of their predatory lending practices. In the late 1800s, persecution of the Jews in Russia and elsewhere intensified, and many Jews began to believe that their only hope for a prosperous future would be to possess a state of their own. This belief became known as Zionism. The Jewish state was the uh, realization of the great project of Theodore Herzl. Theodore Herzl. He was the founder of Zionism. But he came to the idea that the cause of anti-Semitism is because the Jews do not have a state of their own. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a little booklet, The State of the Jews. He said there is only one way of protecting the Jewish people in the future, for the Jews to leave Europe mm -hmm. and to settle in their homeland, the land of Israel. Mm -hmm. And that book became like the Bible of Zionism. Zionism was the formation of the hope for the rebirth. It started with World War I, mm -hmm. the Balfour Declaration. The Balfour Declaration was significant. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a letter to a friend. I mean, it had, right, no, I understand it, it was a major document. In terms of expressing yeah. British policy. Mm -hmm. So the Balfour Declaration was a letter from Lord Balfour to, to Lord, Lord Rothschild. In World War I, Turkey was an ally of Germany, who was the losing side. So the Turkish Ottoman Empire was dismantled 
And so because the Turkish Empire was dismantled after World War I, the British Lord Balfour wrote a declaration yes. saying that it should be a homeland for the Jews. Yes, that was the beginning of the uh, larger immigration. Tens of thousands of Jews from Eastern Europe mainly mm -hmm. went to uh, settle in Israel. The Balfour Declaration was a letter written to Lord Rothschild. So in order to understand the Balfour Declaration, we have to know who Rothschild was. Money is power. Money is the only weapon that the Jew has to defend himself with. Uh... Meyer Amschel Bauer, born in Frankfurt, Germany in 1744, was a moneylender and a goldsmith on Jew Street, whose shop had a sign out front with a red hexagram on it. Eventually, he would change his name to Rothschild, which is German for red sign. Rothschild soon learned that loaning money to governments and kings was more profitable than loaning money to private individuals. Not only were the loans bigger, but they were secured by the nation's taxes. Meyer Rothschild had five sons whom he trained in the skills of money creation and sent out to the major capitals of Europe to open branches of the family banking business. You are five brothers. I want you each to start a banking business in a different country. One to go and open a house in Paris, one in Vienna, one in London. Choose the most important centers so that when money is to be sent from here to London, let us say, you won't have to risk life and gold. Amsterdam, here in Frankfurt, will just send a letter to Nathan in London, saying, pay so-and-so, and that will be offset by loans from London to Frankfurt. Understand? Yes. In your day, there will be many wars in Europe, and nations that have money to transport will come to the Rothschilds, because it will be safe. Our five banking houses may cover Europe, but you will be one firm, one family, the Rothschilds, who work always together. That will be your power. When Meyer Amschel Rothschild died in 1812, he left a will instructing his sons in how the House of Rothschild would be operated. All key positions in the House of Rothschild were to be held by members of the family, the family was to intermarry with their own first and second cousins, thus preserving the vast fortune. Rothschild's heirs were strictly forbidden to ever disclose the amount of their wealth. The whole family was driven by an insatiable lust for the accumulation of wealth and power. They secretly financed both sides in various European wars, dominated European banking, and by the mid-1800s, had become the richest family in the world. Rothschild helped found uh, Israel, and Rothschild has always been the backer of Israel. Whatever Rothschild wants, he gets. He, it is believed that he is the richest man in the world, and I, I have little doubt of that. Although the Balfour Declaration was given to Lord Rothschild in 1917, it would not be until 1947 that the plan for a Jewish state would be implemented. It would take the horrors of World War II to get public opinion behind creating a Jewish state in the land of Palestine. In 1947, the United Nations 
declared that there would be two states in Palestine. There would be a Jewish state and a Palestinian state. The United States delegation supports the basic principles of the unanimous recommendations by the United Nations, which provides for partition and immigration. Later, Russia supported the United States on the partition recommendation, while Arab states threatened reprisals, as the Holy Land's future hangs in the balance. But Israel became the first state, and they've never allowed Palestine to become a state. So they've made sure that the, the United Nations provision has never been put into effect. On May 14, 1948, David Ben-Gurion, the executive head of the Zionist organization, declared the establishment of the Jewish state in the land of Israel. In May of 1948, a new Jewish state, Israel, was born in a bath of blood. Jewish troops routed Arab forces from the city of Haifa in the first of a series of battles that were to reverberate through the years. The new government, headed by David Ben-Gurion, is installed in Tel Aviv. Thus, for the first time since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 AD, the Jewish people have a nation of their own. Today, a lot of Christians think that like God brought the nation of Israel back, you know, and, and God did this wonderful work. But really, was it really the will of God to bring these people back into Israel, or was it the will of the United Nations? The Bible tells us very clearly in Hebrews chapter 4 that when they first came to the Promised Land with Moses, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Then 40 years later, their children who believed the Lord were allowed to enter the Promised Land. Then later, they worshiped other gods, and what did God do? He removed them from the Promised Land. They went to Babylon for 70 years. Then after they repented and turned away from their false gods, they were brought back to the Promised Land. Then when they rejected Jesus Christ, they were removed from the Promised Land again. And then in 1947, they all believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and God brought them back to the Promised Land. Is that what happened? No. Did they believe in Christ? So, um, I went a little bit over, but that's because there's no real good stopping point. Um, let's end this share real quick. So, I'm hoping we can do these a little bit more often where we'll share a documentary or maybe, uh, you know, some kind of full length something or other. Uh, the reason I feel comfortable doing March into Zion is I know that they won't really copyright strike us. Um, uh, there is, uh, you know, like Kent Hovind stuff would probably be okay as well. We can maybe do some of those as well. Um, I, 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 I'm a personal believer of, you know, trying to educate other people in what we also have gone through. And uh, one of the things that I really liked about Marching to Zion, again, we're, we're not done with it, so I don't want to go too deep into it, but is it, it did give me a new perspective and a new understanding of how, how much we're being, we're being controlled. And one of these days, I want to also turn on Babylon, uh, America. America, uh, I think it's another one of those um, documentaries that Steven Anderson did. But, Babylon USA, you mean? Yep, Babylon USA. Yeah, that one's a good yep. one. Definitely a good one. So um, on that note, guys, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you um, 
you know, you liked our little intake. Um, you know, we we may change our format a little bit. Maybe we'll do longer um, reaction times. Maybe we'll watch longer and then just react all at once. Or aren't know. we supposed to give our thoughts on the last ten minutes or something? <laughs> no, no, you're 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 uh, you're you're you have unhappy people in your in your life. So um, on they're that, all sleeping now. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we can do the ten minute. We could do the reactions. Um, yeah. That, that was my reaction. So let's pass it on to Peter and work our way down. My reaction was this. <gasps> I really liked it. <laughs> I like the documentary. Basically, it's crazy. There's definitely a lot of craziness. Obviously, we didn't finish watching it. And if you guys want to actually watch it and not have us interrupting every 10 minutes and um, stopping the flow of the just go watch, uh, find it, Marching to Zion. I'm sure you guys can find it and it's awesome yeah it's pretty crazy about the whole rothschilds and stuff like that like man those little sneaky jews and they still they still what's so crazy is how they're still in power yeah i mean like like they literally it's insane like when the imf is run by the rothschilds still under the same name that's what's so crazy you know what i mean it's not like they have a different name now it's like oh i used to be a rothschild no they're still the rothschilds and people say that they are the shadow richest people in the world worth supposedly an estimated 500 trillion based on their control of banks. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know how I, I, I don't know how accurate that number is. It seems insanely high. 500 trillion. Yeah. 500, well, if they start in the early 1800s, I don't know. Is that what they started? I guess. In it, was early, it was earlier than that. The- through the power of compounding, you know, yeah. and, uh, for 200 plus years, that's uh, pretty possible. <laughs> it's really crazy. But yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, the interesting thing is coming to me. The most interesting part of this documentary is this there. Whenever you talk to someone and they say that they're a Jew. Before, I was just like, oh, they're a Jew, right? You say same mm-hmm. reaction like we talked about earlier. But now. I've realized once we get to this documentary, you'll see it. This documentary invalidates both claims to being a Jew, right? Mm-hmm. It does not just invalidate the religious claim because, yes, they can say, oh, I'm a r- religious Jew. Okay, you're a rabbinical Jew. Sure, that's fine. I get that. But they can't say that they're a priestly Jew. They, they're not performing the sacrifices. They're not, they're not um, you know, observing the Sabbath in the way the Bible you know, specified. They're not even circumcising the way the Bible specified. I mean, they're ignoring you know, yeah. all the major tenets of Judaism at the time. But what's even more interesting is we'll see. This is a teaser for next week. We won't get into it, but it invalidates the genetic claim to Judaism. That's yeah. what's crazy, too, is genetics are so washed out over time that people can't even really claim to be jews in that respect like they've that's been lost even since before the new testament was written that's what's amazing because the 10 tribes of israel we all know went off into babylon and when they came back and nehemiah said hey you know we're gonna we're gonna write down some records of people here actually this was uh when that was judah but there were as many people, even in Judah, in the in in the uh, we'll call it the Jewish side of Israel, uh, the two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, and Levi, that couldn't even prove their 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 heritage. You know what I mean? They couldn't prove their lineage. So thus, they were kicked out of the uh, priesthood. You know what I mean? They said, "Oh well, 
you can't prove your lineage, so you can't be a priest. None mm-hmm. of these people can prove their their lineage. So that's where it gets really amazing. Is like that you oh, yeah. can't like well, I'm as Jewish as the next guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what actually I actually after after this documentary I actually started telling everybody that, that I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Jew. I'm an Israel. Like, oh really? Oh cool. All right, nice. And they're like all extra friendly to me and yeah. stuff. <laughs> and and, and later on. Nice. Yeah, and later later on, you guys you guys will understand why I can confidently say, you know, I am a Jew. You know? yeah. But um, but yeah, it is really cool how this how this documentary how they did a really good job building it from the very beginning, starting from Abraham himself, yep. you know, and building it all the way till today. You know exactly what happened. You know, I love I love how they you know how uh, Pastor Anderson and um, framing the world how they actually. Uh, built this uh you know the entire history of you know up till today you know how this you know you know how this teaching came into the churches and all this you know this is a very important thing to actually get these you know get these pieces puzzle pieces together so you can make a much better more educated conclusion you know why you know you believe what you believe and why people around you believe what they believe and it's a lot easier than to help people get out of this uh trans or whatever you call it or just this blind belief so then we can move on to this next stage of actual educated christians who can give a reason for the faith or the belief that that we have you know instead of like well you know i just probably want a cracker (laughs) that's it (laughs) i just want that cracker so i just do what i'm told you know that's it you know not be like you know just parrots repeating things and not knowing why we believe what we believe and that's why after yeah and after and after this documentary you know i pretty much accept jewish people just like i would accept muslim people or buddhists or whatever you know i'll I'll, i look at them as just people who are lost who are you know believing in a false religion who need jesus christ and i don't consider jews any better than muslims or buddhists or anybody they all need the gospel just exactly the same you know, that's or catholics that's all say about there. <laughs> yeah, yeah or catholics exactly yeah, or- stop making stop making false idols of everything um yeah. which right. we can we can go into that a little bit later um you know the white jesus christ anyway um Thank you so much for joining us, guys. We really do appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, we will at least finish off marching to Zion eventually. Um, the the other documentaries, if you know, if we get enough people that like this stuff, we'll do more. Um, I would love to go through, you know, uh, marching to Zion, Babylon, USA. Um, there's a few other ones, but uh, Bible virgins. Yep. Yes. So. I thought you were going to say something else. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, New World Order Bible versions. You know, yeah. that's the documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that Bible versions, because I heard something else. I'm like, there's there's a documentary like that. Um, anyway, yes, yes, Bible versions. And um, you know, one of the things that I think really hit me with this uh, March design, personally, uh, as as a close off thought, was the Schofield Bible. I never heard of that. I didn't know anything about it until this show you know or documentary and that's that's how things work is we don't realize how much information we take in and we don't know anything about it and on that note i'll leave you guys to ponder that thank you so much for watching please like subscribe and as always we'll see you again have a nice day